And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bum in the Bloom, episode 88. Going to finish off our 2023 positional reviews with the relief pitcher position. Some make all the closers, but we'll call relief pitchers because they all count the same to us in a roundabout weird way. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BD Entry, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. And to help me as usual on these wonderful shows, you can find him on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? Pretty good, pretty good. Sitting around waiting, waiting, waiting for something to happen at these winter meetings. Like live golf has been more the live yes. golf hot stove. Not to not to Ooh. flip sports here, but we were we were texting before. Like there was a trade in live golf, and there's potentially John Rom. That 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 has been a hotter stove than MLB so far. I know MLB had a trade tonight, but uh, just waiting for that Otani shoe to drop. Hopefully during the show. We were just talking before. Like I'm waiting for a passing notification to come up, but not yet. It's been pretty slow, pretty slow so far. Yep, slow go. Let's top it off. We have relievers today, so that'll be fun. Uh, We're in round six of our DC we started like two weeks ago, so that's going strong. (laughs) Um, Something like that. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Of course, you know me, sarcasm. But um, yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll recap some of that in a future episode, of course. Uh, but we're going to get you in. We're going to get you out. We're going to talk some relief pitchers. Uh, unless you have any thoughts on Alex Verdugo and the Yankees and Red Sox making a trade where like that almost broke some curse of baseball, I'd imagine, somewhere. Yeah, that was always weird to see them trade. Um, I honestly, like, I always look at, we've, we've talked during the season a lot about the, you know, the backup behind the guy who gets moved. I think, like, Jaron Duran, yes. on Rafaela, those two guys, I think it's just one less obstacle to regular playing time. I think that's probably I feel like the most coverage will be like Verdugo going to the short porch, which given how, like how he hits, how he hits. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it, I don't, I think Yankee stadium will help, but like it's maybe a few more home runs given the low five ball rate that Verdugo has and not as many hits, honestly, park factors. We think homers um, not sure if that's going to work. That well in right field uh, for hits. But, yeah, I think Rafael and Jaron Duran move up a little bit in playing time projections as, as a result of this. Yep, that's what Eric Cross tweeted out because he's very excited about Rafael. He was gushing over him on my recent show with them. And uh, I we talked about Sedan a lot towards the end of last year as a kind of power speed dude that got called up. So if he can get every day at bats, that could be pretty nice. He's pretty darn cheap in drafts right now. I know that much. So he could be a thaw. And Jaron Duran had his moments of being very good as well. So, yeah, getting Verdugo out of the way, there's rumors already that Verdugo, the uh, Yankees are trying to get him to put him in a package to go get Juan Soto. So we'll see how long Verdugo is a Yankee. But, um, yeah, it's I wouldn't get overly excited about Alex Verdugo in Yankee Stadium. Let's just put it that way. But you never know. I like the Rafael call for sure. It's funny. the uh, So I just uh, pulled up baseball. You can, I just, you can just Google baseball savant park factors. Um Yankee Stadium for left-handed hitters is the worst baseball stadium for hits. Yep. I the worst. That I didn't realize it was. It's actually second worst behind. They've got something called Muncie Bank Ballpark. I don't know what the hell that is. No idea where that's at. Unless but, Oakland uh, changed their name, which makes sense. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But uh, anyway, yeah, the worst. And yeah. the Red Sox are, where's Fenway at? With that gap in right center, that would be pretty nice. Yeah, that would be pretty nice. Out there. It's a spacious right field in Fenway. 
from worst to best or yeah. no wait, from best, best to worst. To worst. Um, that's yeah, that's very interesting. Lord Zola tweeted out that um, he mentioned the part factor thing. He updated his projections for Verdugo. He had Verdugo, I think, getting three more home runs, but losing 24 points about an average. There we go. Yeah. The Lord has spoken. It's good yes. to be on the Lord's side. It is great to be on the Lord's side. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Anyways. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's talk relievers, relief pitching. Um, <laughs> do you have something else you'd like to say? <laughs> no, I just off my game tonight. That was bad. Yeah. Um, relief pitching. This was a weird year because every single year we're always like, okay, you know, so many guys are going to lose their jobs. So many guys are going to get injured. You don't have to pay for closers, all these things. Well, this last year, it's been well-documented, and we're obviously going to cover it on tonight's show, that if you drafted a closer, majority of them finished the year just fine, some much better than we anticipated. Uh, we were joking before the show. I took Alexis Diaz in round five of our DC, and that's after a year where I basically poo-pooed him all over draft boards and said I will not touch him in a draft. And he turned out to be darn good. So uh, Camilo Duvall was an amazing closer. And he got uh, – there's a lot of you know, the all-in or all-out on Duvall last season. So when you look at this wonderful bloom board, Ryan, what are your takeaways from this? Because it's pretty, pretty nice overall, I would say. And, like, it is. It it, it definitely is. And, and last year – I mean, if we, I, th- I think it was, like, before the 2022 season when reliever prices really started to get out of control. And then entering 2023 – the prices for uh, closers with elite skills with the job, like we're just through the roof. You had to pay pretty much a first four round price tag in 15 team leagues, maybe first five round in, in 12 teamers. And that's going to, but because of what we're seeing on the board here, which I just pulled up for the YouTube and live stream crowd and tweeted out earlier today, but because of what we're seeing here, because of these success, uh, Bubba, that you mentioned of, almost everybody early um, in the closer pool and then a few nice hits late. It's going to be the same damn thing in 2024. Uh, we're already seeing it in, I mean, in this DC where we both took our closer, I feel like late <laughs> in the fourth round. Um, it's going to be the same thing because uh, I think a lot of closers hit and we still, it's still that combination of yes, a lot of closers hit, but also there are still a not, there's a, there's definitely a subset of MLB teams that go to, a regular closer and said closer has really good skills. That's, that's still maybe 10, maybe 12 guys entering 2024. So I think this recent trend of, if, if you want to get your quote unquote ace closer, you've got to spend in the first uh, like 50, 60 picks. Yep. That's, that's the, the gift of it. And that's why, like I said, I took Alexis Diaz when I took him and I, you took a closer also early on there's to kind of have one and then you can speculate later on and still, be okay on the saves market. You do see ratios change quite a bit, which will probably reflect in other stats as well. But uh, if you want those just elite guys with awesome ratios, you know, 30 plus saves, you get them early and you're, you're good to go. Now, the question always is, well, should I draft too early? Should I, what should I do? That's a whole other philosophical question you can have. Um, but th- that'll be the, the interesting thing this draft season. And um, a lot of the kind of second, the next in line guys. How aggressive are we on them this year, considering there wasn't a ton of change type situation? And that'll be fun to see how that kind of plays out as the draft season goes on, because it'll change a ton. Like, you know, we're going to talk Emmanuel Classe out the gate. Well, they just traded for Scott Barlow, who's expensive. And now they're, talk- they're talking about shopping Emmanuel Classe in Cleveland. So Barlow might be more of a closer than we think at some point this year. Then again, you never know. So let's go to Emmanuel Classe. 
he had an ADP of 28. That was the end of the second round in 15s last year. Uh, he finished eighth at the position, though, with a 3-2-2 ERA, a 1-1-6 whip. He did get 44 saves, which is very good. Yes. But he but he did that in 75 games. It was not the dominant Classe. The strikeout numbers are down. I know this because I had a couple of nice shares of Classe where you appreciated the saves, but you looked at closers, closers that went around him, and the overall production was lacking in a, a bit, I should say. So what's your thoughts on Classe? You saw that velo drop a ton, and it kind of correlated everywhere else. Uh, 12 blown saves to your point. Like this could have been, this could have been a a pretty legendary season. Like it could have been, it could have been 50 to 55. If, if this was from a skill standpoint, the, the class A that we saw in 2021 and 2022, um, on the flip side, it also kind of could have been, you know, maybe we got lucky with class A and the, the leash that the guardians, uh, had on him to be able to get those 44 saves with, I mean, the, the surface stats were fine like 322 era no one's going to complain about that 340 sierra is pretty much right in line but this was this was far from the vintage class a a strikeout rate to go from 28 down to 21 percent is is really brutal but um yeah had class a in labor last year and it was just i will say like i paired him with carlos estevez who i'm sure we'll talk about later but just the ability to set and forget two closers in a league is just such a not only from like a mental standpoint of trying to find and and worry about saves all the time but like i didn't i don't think i spent a single dollar on fab in closers and it just opened up so many more options for me um elsewhere so um i still think class a is one of the top closers in baseball wherever he if he does get traded like he'll still be a closer i would think there's a very good chance of that happening and really the skills, while they were not vintage, uh, they could still bounce back to that. And they were still pretty good for a quote unquote down year. So I may stay. He's still ahead of the class A. So that is good for Emmanuel. And don't be a hater because Josh Hader was the second reliever off the board and finished 10th at the position with the one, two, eight ERA, a one, one whip and 33 saves. And like we talk about class A's kind of roller coaster season. That was a lot the same with Hater at times, you know. And one thing with, with Class A, you mentioned all, all the outings. He threw over 70 innings again. This is the third straight year with less than 60 innings for Hater. something to maybe think about. He's very effective when he throws his innings. The ratios are very, very good. The strikeouts are very good as well. But there were points last year where they said, we can't use him on X amount of days in a row. Like, there's very, like, kind of rules in play in San Diego about Hater's, especially as the season went on, about his usage. So it might be curtailed an even bigger season. Who knows? But still a quality season, a good season. But again, you took, you know, Class A and Hater up here, and they finished eighth and tenth of the position. And it kind of makes you go, hmm, that's no fun, but still pretty good. Yeah, still, still fine. And, and like, I, like I said, when I took Class A in labor, like, I don't regret that pick at all, even though he finished eighth. Like, if you, if you take an early closer and they finish in the top 10, like, that means you got your saves. And that, that's really what you're going for with these picks. So, um, yeah, hater, like obviously landing spot will be dependent, but like the whiffs are still elite, the K rate's still elite, everything's there. Um, I, I I hesitate a little bit to like dive in too much to these skills, really, of any reliever, just because it's so from year to year, there's so much variance once, especially once we get outside of these top guys compared to like starting pitchers. But uh, I mean, hater for K rate the last three years for hater 46, 37, 37%. Like this guy has been elite for a long time. And no matter where he goes, I 
think he will continue to be. I'm curious to see where he lands because it feels like San Diego's moving on. They've kind of had that. Yeah, where they oh, I'd be shocked him. if he came back to San Diego. So I am curious where he lands. I haven't really done a deep dive on like who needs closers uh, per se, but uh, that would be an interesting situation there. Like, because even the Rangers, they got Leclerc there. They brought back Chapman. They just picked up Yates, so they're not in the market. Who goes out? Like, what contender basically goes out and makes the move? Is the is the question? Yeah. Maybe the Cubs. The Cubs could use them. They have a. I, I like Alzale and all, but Hater would be an upgrade. Wouldn't Orioles deny that. good. So, Orioles good. Yenny or Cano is Orioles is a great okay one actually at the end. But Orioles think, is a that's a really good call on the Orioles. I like that a lot. Like, especially if you get a, if Hater would do like a one year deal because Batista coming back. But yeah, 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 we'll see. Maybe the hot still will ring with that sometime during the show here. Jordan Romano, third reliever off the board, finished ninth at the position with a 2-9 ERA, 1-2-2 whip, 36 saves, which is still a very quality season. Strikeouts were pretty much in line with previous years. So not a, like he had his ups and downs like most of these closers, but in the end still finished very, very strong. Like you said already, you wouldn't regret drafting Jordan Romano. Oh, would have no regrets drafting him uh, again next year, really. I mean, the saves, he's had 36 saves each of the last two seasons. Um, skills again are are fine. Actually, had a a quite a bit of an uptick in missed bats. The swinging strike went from fourteen up to seventeen percent. Um, control on the surface, control looks a little shaky, but he throws strikes thirty five percent ball rate. Again, ball rate is what I use to kind of validate um, underlying walk rates, and and that was better than average. So uh, Jordan Romano. Another fine year, like a, a a 122 whip for him is a little high, but again, like so much can change with these ratios in a couple bad outings, especially over a 60 inning sample. That I don't look too much at at the surface stats and the and the the results here. It's more just did the did the percentages, did the did the per plate appearance stuff look good? The whiffs look good, and were the saves there, and was the job there for him? And and Romano, it was there for everything. Most definitely. And well, you know what really looked good? Devin Williams, the fourth closer yeah. off the board, finished second at the position. Look at that the, smile on your face. With the I, one I, five, I know where this is, I know where this is going. With hey, I'm not gonna press you on it, but with the one five three ERA and a point nine two whip, thirty-six saves. You talked about like hater strikeout numbers pretty much in line with the percentages. Uh he walks guys, but that's a lot of these elite like hard throwing closers will do. But uh, I love Williams. I always have. He's the top closer off the board right now in DCs this year. I have zero problem with that at all. I this, We said this last year, even with these guys, you can mix and match pretty much the top X amount of guys here, and you can't really go wrong. I love Devin Williams. Uh, the only caveat I'll say for 2024, may get traded at some time because that's the Brewers, but um, I love Devin Williams. I love what he did last year, and he paid off in a big, big way. Yep, and again, if traded, presume – I mean, he's he's the best reliever – in the game now when we saw non Felix Bautista injury division, um, Devin Williams, I think should be the top closer off the board. So I will take my L on, uh, Williams and the next guy we're about to talk to or talk about, because that was our little, little side bet. Yep. Yes, it was. And that next player is Ryan Presley, who still had a good year. Fifth closer off the board, finished 13th, the three, five, eight ERA, a little less than ideal, but a one Oh seven whip 31 saves. Um, he ended up pitching in 65 games, which is pretty good. That was up from the 50 last season. Overall, pretty solid. Did see some of the skills recess a little bit, but when you're playing on an elite team like the Astros, saves will be there in punches. Yep. Uh, back-to-back 30 
plus save seasons for Ryan Presley. The narrative, I think, was that Presley was a lot worse than what we thought because you remember he had that like terrible start to the season. I think it was opening day where he blew a save and I think took the loss and then like didn't pitch. Like the usage was really weird mm-hmm. early on for Ryan Presley. Like he, he would not pitch back to back days, but there were also times where he was coming off an off day in a save situation and Houston would go with someone else. So like there was a lot of chatter, especially in April around Presley and it really wasn't looking good then. Um, but that all kind of settled down as the season went on and, put together another fine year there is i think like i mean there's some kind of i mean he's he he will be 35 presley will next year he's had kind of neck injuries minor injuries here and there like i do wonder when this starts to starts to fade a little bit for ryan presley and i think that's why his adp has dropped a little bit um compared to last year yeah he's number 85 his adp 85 right now um which is probably Early top ten closers, something like yeah, that. Probably. But uh but no, he's safe. Another fine year. Three fifty eighty RA is tough, but still got you some K's, great whip. And again, you draft him for saves, you got thirty one saves. Yeah, they'll win another hundred games probably or ninety plus and he'll get his and Brian Abreu will get his right behind him and There'll be one happy family in Houston. Yeah, we think. We think. We don't know, you know, no no more dusty, so yeah, true. Very true. So they might win more. Um, Rysel Iglesias, six closer off the board, finished 11th. He's just one of those steady Eddie guys that kind of, if you list off the closers, kind of, kind of gets lost in the mix because it was a quiet 33 saves. 275 ERA, 119 whip. Um, the Braves obviously were amazing. You just go through Iglesias' seasons. It's just, you know, 33 saves, 17 last year because of the trade. He was going to get him 34, 34, 30, 28. The ratios are usually in the twos. Like the dude is just steady Eddie out there, getting older for sure. But still, as long as he's on Atlanta, I got no qualms about Rysel Iglesias. Exactly, exactly. Um, agreed. Would take him ahead of who we just talked about with Ryan Presley. Yeah. I just don't really see any like issue at all in the skills. And but like, I mean, you mentioned Atlanta team context. If there's one position where team context matters the most, it. Uh, it's it's with the closers because the role is everything and Iglesias is locked in on a team that should win over a hundred yet again. Yeah, it's one of those each year that I always look at some of these closers and it's a, it's better this year. I was like, why is Jordan Romano going so far ahead of Iglesias last year? This year, Iglesias is five picks ahead of Romano, and that seems they seem at least even to me, kind of. So there yeah. shouldn't be the gap per se, and um, that that sounds better because there was almost a twenty five pick gap last year. Ryan Helsley, seventh off the board, finished 41st in the position, 245 ERA, 106 whip, 14 saves. Obviously, a lot of uh, injured days throughout the season, made 33 appearances, but I will say finished insanely strong. When he came off the IL, I did not think he'd be the dude. I thought Gallego still earned it, or they had some other options. Now, Helsley jumped back in there, and I remember doing first pitch at one point. I was like three nights in a row, Helsley had saves. Like they were just going with him. So that was a very strong finish, if you want to think going forward. So, Kind of a lost season, the first one in this top group, but at the same time, a, a, a nice finish for optimism, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. Just like taking the the, the bigger picture here, this is the first like L. disappointment, and it really wasn't for. I mean, you 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 covered it well. It wasn't for like a miss on skills or anything like that, and get booted from the role. This was all injury. Um, seven saves after September 1st when Helsley came back. That speaks to what you were just talking about. 
finishing strong. Uh, the only reason this was a bust was because of just injuries, and sometimes that happens. But so far, before Helsley, each of the top six finished in the top 13, uh, with Iglesias and Presley finish finishing 11th and 13th, respectively. Um, and the guy we'll talk about next finished number one. <laughs> yeah, um, but like this kind of goes to show like the early closer picks as a whole, if you went that route, you you got your saves. Helsley's the only one out of the top, what, 11 to not get 29 saves. He only got 14. Yeah, that next gentleman you mentioned, Felix Bautista, eighth off the board, finished number one. 148 ERA, 0.92 whip, 33 saves. He threw 61 innings. I don't know if you've already looked, Ryan, but do you know how many strikeouts he had? Just going to pull it up. He had a lot. 110 in 61 innings pitched. That's almost two per inning. Like <laughs> he was in, and honestly, I have to like really break it down, but he, he was hurt. He obviously finished the season needing Tommy John. I wonder how long he started pitching towards the end with that, you know, yeah. impingement to really, because he wasn't quote-unquote as dominant but still the season was great like an amazing season unfortunately ended with the the big no-no yep um eight wins too eight wins yep. i mean eight wins and triple digit strikeouts like there's a lot of starters that don't have both of those so yeah it just sucks that uh that he's gone hopefully we well he's Still with us, but gone but not forgotten. Gone not forgotten. Not not a not an Eloy. Are they hanging his jersey up in the dugouts? Not, not, not quite an Eloy level uh downer, but yeah, hope to see him back and ready to go in 2025. But yeah, that would make sense with the hater thing. Like it would make a ton of sense for Baltimore to sign yep. Josh for a one-year deal. Be a great spot here. And here's another kind of oopsie. That's Kenley Jansen, ninth off the board, finished 29th, 363 ERA, 128 whip, 29 saves. The ratios are pretty much what did it, because otherwise this is a lot of what we usually see from Kenley Jansen. A lot less, 14 less appearances than last year, so the the appearances dropped down as well, but still pretty good stuff. This K rate, 27.7%, not the best of his career, but still not like deadly. So I think age is finally catching up with Kenley Jansen. It's funny looking back, or it's interesting looking back when we talked about uh, just kind of time traveling back to March or April with the pitch clock. Like Kenley Jansen was the poster boy for pace and taking so long, and um, and the the thought was that the pitch clock would really hinder him. I don't know how much of this was pitch clock or what. I mean, it was only fifty two innings. He did like, I mean, the season basically ended in September. I think he had a pretty rough bout with covid and i think you're right yeah he has had i know he had those heart issues that were pretty serious when he was on la um so i don't know like at the end of the year kind of what happened i I think he just kind of shut it down um still feel like the skills are good enough i mean almost a 30 percent strikeout rate Plenty of missed bats. There was plenty of strikes. The velocity was actually up two miles an hour, which is really surprising for Kenley Jansen with the pitch clock um, and tote. So, like, I think if Jansen has a gig, he could be effective at a pretty cheap price. But that that is for 2024 talk. But um, really, I don't think the skills fell off all that much. No, he's one of my favorite guys to always kind of take a chance on late if I missed, like, a reliever too because i'm with you on that respect it's if anything it's the ratios are kind of dwindling because his ability to walk guys and then 
get out of the jam right away have kind of fallen to the side. So yeah. that's but otherwise he's still like you said the skills are still not like completely gone, and that's what makes him intriguing to say the least. Camilo Duvall, tenth reliever off the board, finished fourth at the position, two nine three ERA, one one four with thirty nine strikeouts. It was a joy to watch last year because in 2022, I watched him a lot and the numbers were great, but it was scary is the best way I could say it. You know, one, two, four whip in 2022. He dropped it to one, one, four. And I know it doesn't sound like much, but in the sample size for a pitcher with doing what he was doing, that was a lot for watching what I was watching. Like it made a big difference in the overall production for Camilo Duvall. And if he can continue that, he's going to be one of the best closers in baseball for a while. I just have a lot of if he can continue doing that. But a great 2023. Yeah. Do you worry about the control at all? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm hinting at there. If he yeah. can continue to do it, like he yeah. he was better, but he still nearly had a 10 percent walk rate. But it was better this year, and, and it translated to more strikeouts, so on and so forth. But there were games I'd watch, and he would be flirting with things. It wasn't like Brian Wilson esque back in the day, where they literally oh. they really they literally patented torture for the Giants to sell merchandise to torture on it. The beer. Um, it wasn't that bad. But uh, there were moments where I'm like, oh, don't do this again, buddy. Don't do this again. So, yeah. It was nice that uh, San Francisco actually stuck with the Vol. That was nice, too, yes. Because um, that was really the big thing entering the season. But, yeah, I mean, two back-to-back sub-three ERAs, 39 saves. Like, he's durable, 68 innings each of the last two seasons. Um, do worry a little bit about the walk rate. But, like, everything else, 50% ground ball rate. 15% swinging strike, like everything's there for Doval to uh, to keep this going, man. And he'll be, what, 26 next year? Like, yep. Got that going for him, too. He's a youngin. He's definitely a youngin. So no problem with him at all. The next guy I feel bad for because he's just not getting paid, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's David Bednar. Uh, 11 and he's the- stuck in Pittsburgh. No offense yeah. to Pittsburgh, but the, the team. team. And the, it, what, that's what makes it more impressive. He's doing what he's doing. Because he finished fifth of the position, ERA of two. A 1-1 ERA and 39 saves. He's not a free agent until 2027. He's making 750 grand this year. Um, and he's one of the best closers in baseball. You just look at his numbers. They continue to be outstanding in the back of that bullpen. I think that's why it's so hard to trade him each year because of all the years he has left. And Pirates are like, hey, pay up, boys. So um, th- that makes me – like. I think in the past we were in drafts thinking, okay, are we drafting him? He's going to get traded and he's going to be a setup man. I almost think you have to draft him and go, okay, he's going to be a closer all year unless something crazy happens because he's this darn good. So he he did it once again. An amazing season from David Bednar. Actually from Pittsburgh. So Ooh. maybe he just likes it there. Wait, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a yenzer. He's a yenzer. Probably throwing back some yinglings right now. Yes, sir. I was worried about with, with Bednar. I wasn't worried about even like a trade. Wasn't worried about him losing the role. I was worried about his back. He missed, Bednar missed considerable time in 2022 with lower back issues, like multiple. And that was just enough for me to, he only threw, what he threw? He only threw 52 innings in 2022, but he spent 54 days on the IL with those back injuries. So that was really the only thing when I looked at Bednar entering the season. Plus, I mean, I guess Pittsburgh not winning here I continue to just destroy Pittsburgh. I've actually been there. It's about to say, pretty sweet. Man. <laughs> Maybe our next, li- our next live show should be live from Pittsburgh. I used to live in uh, Akron, Ohio. Would fly and, you, and, you're, and you're crapping on Pittsburgh? Oh, and I mean, and Pittsburgh was like, <laughs> Pittsburgh was awesome. 
Pittsburgh was awesome compared to Akron. A lot of things are awesome compared to that's that sound you hear, folk, is backpedaling. Um Akron. Uh <laughs> Ednar. Yeah, like I don't know. The the back injuries could still come up, but they didn't last year. And so without the injury risk, like this dude is a freaking beast. And he's getting acknowledged more in drafts now. He's got a respectable ADP. Like he's not outside the top 100 like last year. He's uh, 65, which is definitely in range, like the fifth really about the board, give or take. He's going right behind the glaciers right before Romano. So So I actually passed on Bednar talking about our DC here. Actually, so it's interesting that um, the fourth round just in our, I mean, in our draft, but was Emmanuel Class A. Then Doval, then I took Durant, Yohan Duran, who we'll talk about. Then Iglesias, you took Alexis Diaz, and then Bednar, yeah. last out of that group. Um, Closers run, round four. That was fun, fun stuff. A guy that's dropping in drafts so far this season, and we'll see how it continues to go, is Clay Holmes. He went one pick after Bednar in 2023, but he finished 21st at the position. Big difference. 286 ERA, 117 whip, 24 saves. There's times he was hurt. There's times when he questions would he get back into the closing duties. There was a lot surrounding Clay Holmes throughout the season. In the end, the stat line was pretty darn solid outside of the amount of saves you were hoping to get. But still, he's t- he was technically the guy, but there were other guys getting chances at the by the end of the season. So good season, but you hoped for more. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Uh, I agree, which is just weird to say after a 286 ERA. Like the results were kind of there for Clay Holmes. Um, but it's interesting, only has, I say only, but only has 44 saves over the last two seasons when he's, I guess, primarily been the closer. Um, so I don't know how much Aaron Boone trusts him. I don't, I don't know. There just seems to be a very short leash with Clay Holmes. There also seems to be a lot of like really high ups and a lot of really bad downs with Clay Holmes. Like the consistency is not there. And you, you, you string together a few of those rough outings. Yeah. Like in June, in June, Clay Holmes had a one ERA. In July, he had a 108 ERA. August, he had a 784 ERA. <laughs> and then September, a 0.75 ERA. Like, I may not roster Clay, Clay Holmes for that reason next year. The volatility scares you away. Scares, but not good for the health. No, no, trust me. I understand that completely. Um, let's talk about the next guy, though, because you said you just took him in drafts. And Johan Duran, 13th off the board, finished 14th at the position, 245 ERA, 114 with 27 strikeouts. And in one word, the best way I can describe him, filthy. So, what's your thoughts on Johan Duran? That's why I took him, man. It's filth. Yeah, you better check. You better clear your browser then. <laughs> it's filth. <laughs> um, don't I mean the only thing is like, is he the the guy in Minnesota? I mean, he had twenty seven saves. No one else in Minnesota had five. So like, yes, he is the guy. But there are some times where he doesn't pitch the ninth. That was my only reservation taking Duran in the fourth round. But like everything else here, man, the 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 strikeouts will be there. The ground ball rate, I, I talk about ground ball rate a lot. Once it gets into like that sixty percent status, it's is extremely. It's I don't want to say impossible. It's extremely hard to post a bad ERA when you have the strikeouts that Duran has and a sixty six percent ground ball rate. 
It's just like strikeout, ground ball, strikeout, ground ball, ground ball. Like that sequence of events in baseball often does not turn into runs. And no, so it's very, very I, just, I just think like I'm, I'm a little bit going on a limit that he gets over like 30 saves with Minnesota, but I think he I think he's good enough to do it. And even if he doesn't like the ratios, the K's will be really, really good. So uh, a fine year, even though Duran only finished 14th, I'm guessing that's because he only only had 27 finished. saves in that 35 or whatever, but I don't know. The next two guys we can kind of speed through. Daniel Bard was who we thought he was, injuries and more. And then Scott Barlow was getting saves in Kansas City, got traded to the Padres. So that kind of ended that charade. But anything on those two? Because I don't have much. No, just for the 10th time, apologies. Uh, DVR, Derek Van Riper for taking Barlow over Bednar in our XFL draft. Last year they went for the same price. Oof. Yeah, it's all good. All good. Alexis Diaz, here we go to the 16 through 30 range. Diaz finished uh, third at the position, ADP of 128. That's big boy stuff. 307 ERA, 119 whip, 37 saves. Um, he had a nice uh, strikeout rate. The walks were an issue once again, but overall outstanding. Like you said earlier, they stuck with him the whole season, which was a plus. So anything on Alexis Diaz? Um, the only thing I'll add is, dude kind of fell apart at the end of the year. And I don't know why, like uh, it, it could just be random variance, a tough spell. He was used heavily. Like, so it's kind of funny to like the, the 71 the main, games. Wow. Yeah. 71 games. And I think, well, yeah, 37 innings in the first half. He just, he, he, he was used often. And it was just interesting that that was the ultimate, not downfall of Alexis Diaz, but that's kind of why he struggled at the end is um, that usage when coming into the season, that was kind of usage was the reason not to take him because we weren't sure if Cincinnati was going to actually anoint him the role. Um, What that means for next year, like, I don't know. I wouldn't read too much into the late collapse. Um, I mean, you obviously didn't taking him in the fourth round of our draft. I think he'll get plenty of opportunities in Cincinnati. And so it's fine. I just, that, that's the one little like hesitation I have is the late fade for Diaz. But I, I think it was more workload uh, than anything. And he's still, he'll be 27 next year. So should yeah. be fine. The age I'm pretty pumped on. It is always great American. If he gets into walks, you have more high likelihood of uh, getting in trouble there. But uh We'll yeah. see. I think he's got enough strikeout stuff in him to maybe grow and develop more from the season. So we shall see. Uh, Andres Munoz, 17th off the board, finished 38th, 294 ERA, 127 whip, 13 saves, a lot of time on the IL. And then when Sue, Paul Seawald finally got traded, he kind of took over closing duties for the most part, but still not the most ideal season. That whip was a, a killer if you took him. But uh, what's your thoughts on Andres Munoz? I mean, I never understood why Munoz was going this high to begin with. Remember, because I mean, he was it was Seawald. It was it was never Munoz. Yep. It was never Munoz. It was only people Munoz. Were, people were wish casting. There was yes, it was like the was the Nick Anderson of like twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, whenever whenever that was, when Nick Anderson was like a top ten round pick and wasn't the closer. Um. I mean, yeah. So all those, I think, all of those thirteen saves came after no all but one came after the seawall trade so um i mean munoz is the guy 
now at least <laughs> till he gets traded. You never know what Trader Jerry's going to do or what. I mean, Seattle's doing this offseason. I have no idea. It's a weird, on. weird build they have going on there. Um, but Munoz for himself, I'm not worried like about the ratios. I mean, he, he had sub three ERA. It's just it was just the whip. Yeah, the, the it, whip, that, it, the whip was, the, was whip's the killer. He should start the year as a closer, but. I've already tweeted it out. I have Matt Brash being the guy by the end of the season. So Brash just, uh, is uh he's becoming a pretty popular plan yeah, B. Kind of bummed out about that because I tweeted Brash. that out like it feels like a month ago now. And it's uh it's, it's carrying on. It's not because of me that's carrying on. They clarify that, but when I see people catching on to that, not as fun. Not as fun this this time of year, like in June, awesome, but not right now. <laughs> 380 p for Matt Brash. Let's see which one of us blinks first and takes him in our DC. Yeah, probably neither one of us. Someone else will jump him like 270 because they're listening to the show. Um, oh, don't get me started on that boy. Uh, Paul Seawalt, 19th off the board, finished 12th at the position. I know Pete Fairbanks. Sorry, let me give the Rays their proper due. Uh, 18th off the board, 23rd at the position, 258 ERA, 101 whip, outstanding ratios. 25 saves, did spend some time on the IL, but still 49 games most of his career, 45 innings pitched most of his career. And when healthy, he was the dude in Tampa Bay. So that was pretty pretty good to see as well. Yeah, and I'm trying to pull up the Rays, like, save shares. It was, it was yeah, it was, guys. it was, yeah, it was Fairbanks 25 and Jason Adam 12. Nobody else on the Rays had more than two saves or more than one save last year. So, like, this notion that the Rays mix and match is pretty much not a thing. Maybe yeah. some years it is, some years it isn't. But the last couple of years it hasn't been. And uh, and that's what we get with Fairbanks. The strikeout rate was elite. I think that drops off a little bit because the whiffs were just okay. But I'm kind of nitpicking. Fairbanks is uh, is totally fine as a closure rate should win plenty of games. and. Um, kind of watch the usage and the roles entering spring, but they, the Rays have shown that they can stick to one, maybe two guys, and that's it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll steal this from Colette. I'll give Jason Colette all the credit. If you want to listen to a lot of his work, but especially the first pitch podcast with uh, Sleeper on the Bust, uh, he goes on to talk about it, and I know I've heard it elsewhere with him, is um, they start discussing Fairbanks and they discuss the, Oh, there's so many saves in Tampa Bay thing. So what you mentioned, two guys got the saves. What I really liked is he, you know, Mr. Ray himself, Colette goes, if you look at it and you hit, you hinted at it when you said even the year before Fairbanks was pretty much the guy. So for two straight seasons, when the closers are healthy, cash has stayed with primarily one guy. They've had so many injuries there that it's tough to stay with one guy. So he was trying to nail that home. The part I found hilarious is Justin Mason's arguing with Mr. Ray about the Ray's philosophy on things. And I'm sitting there listening to that going, maybe uh, you, you let the guy that literally watches every second of a Ray's game <laughs> get to have this one real quick. <laughs> but it was good. So I recommend you guys check that out. Really good insight from Jason Collett, as always. For, for for ages 18 and over. Yes, only. there is a discretion. We, we do have to do the, uh, do the disclaimer there. Elect, electric show at first pitch. Listener Col- discretion is advised. Absolutely. Collette's been on our show two years in a row. Yes, two at in a row. As well. It's like basically we talk about a Ray. It's like, ah. And Collette's in the back Colette, of the room. There's Collette. Come up here. Hey, come he's to the like, mic ah, real right. quick. <laughs> uh, he's a good dude. One of the good ones out there. Yep. Uh, Paul Seawald, the 19th closer off the board, finished 12th at the position. Amazing season between Seattle and Arizona. 
312 ERA, 115 whip, 34 saves. Like I guess you could want the ratios to be a little, like the, at least the ERA to be a little better. Overall, great season. Strikeouts were outstanding. Like you said earlier, I didn't understand the Munoz deal because Seawall was the dude, and he proved it in a big way. And he'll be the dude in Arizona again next year. Like he was, he was the dude. Uh, Kevin Ginkle uh, was booted from his partial stay in the in the closer role when Seawall came over. So like, I feel like Seawall is one of those guys. If you wait on closer and you still want to get someone with good skills and who has the job, he like might be one of the last ones available. I say that not really knowing 84, his ADP, 80, but... 84 ADP this year. He's going ahead of Ryan Presley. Yeah, him and Presley, 84, 85. Like that's a nice little pocket if you like that's a nice little place to get your closer because next next is Munoz yeah then Helsley and then Helsley so like it starts to then Fairbanks drops a lot yeah then Fairbanks and then and then it gets real murky after that (laughs) and it's all right well your boy Alzale you might have the min on I might I very very well might have the min on Edward Alzale and I'm cool with that you're Braxton Garrett of 2023 I'll take my chances I'll go to battle with Edward Jose Leclerc, this one might have shocked people because, A, I didn't understand him being the 20th off the board at 179, but he finished 81st the position. And I say it's like a tale of two seasons. 268 ERA, 114 whip, four saves. But um, he finished the year as the main man in uh, Texas, even into the postseason. And I think that's going to kind of skew the opinions coming into 2024. So the the reason he's 81st is because he had four saves. But overall, I think he had a rather good season for Jose Leclerc standards could be wrong what are your thoughts there yeah I mean a two, 260 80 RA a 114 whip like is that is that right I'm now questioning yeah. my own freaking thing when it says he Jose Leclerc good was good um he had a good season and like you mentioned Bubba like the finish the finish was immaculate Jose Leclerc in the second half um according to HQ I don't know when they they the exact date for the cutoff. I think it's a little bit different than fan graphs, but a 216 ERA, a 0.99 whip for Jose Leclerc with, yes, the walks were still there, but cut down on the walks from first to second half from 15% down to 10. Strikeouts went up, whiffs went up, velocity went up, and he did have the gig like in September. And he, I think, even got a postseason save or two yeah. with Texas. So, um, Kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's my bias against Jose Leclerc. I think of him and just kind of cast him off because he's failed in the role before and sometimes just cannot hit water from the boat. But was pretty good last year. And as it stands with Texas, has the gig. Texas is someone who could go for like a Josh Hader. They've shown the uh, propensity to spend. Well, like Spores got a ton of usage just last year. They just went and got Kirby Yates. I thought they resigned Chapman, but he's not on the list. I, I know they were talking about re- bringing him back too. So it's going to be interesting in the back of that Texas bullpen. A lot more to dissect in the coming uh, weeks ahead. Kyle Finnegan, 21st, closer off the board, finished 17th. The ratio's not great. 3.76 ERA, 1.3 whip, but he did get you 28 saves. Um, injury riddled season, but when he was healthy, they put him in the back end of that bull- bullpen and he at least got the saves if you needed them. But, and as you're going to find out as this goes on farther, ratios are pretty much up in the air. Uh, so you're yeah. pretty much going for saves and strikeouts at this point in time. And Finnegan gave you that. Finnegan had a weird year where, yeah, he had 11 saves through May and pretty much left the role. But then in the summer, he was nails. 
he was absolute nails. I think had like a he had a sub two ERA from June through August with uh, fourteen saves, and then it all kind of fell apart in September and October. But there was a stretch there where Kyle Finnegan, who was available in Fab, uh, because he was cut, given the. the the slow start and injuries and that sort of thing. And Hunter Harvey's came out of nowhere, started dealing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, Finnegan came back, and the the summer of Kyle Finnegan was actually pretty good, pretty sweet. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out in twenty twenty four. Next two guys, I don't have a ton on Jorge Lopez or Anthony Dominguez. Lopez, pretty much nothing. Dominguez had his moments in Philadelphia, but overall nothing. Do you have anything on those two? No, Lopez just like the poster boy for volatility of relievers. He was so good like two years ago. And yep. Ugh. Up in flames. Evan Phillips, though, the Los Angeles Dodgers, 24th closer off the board, 15th at the position with a 2.05 ERA, 0.83 whip, <laughs> and 24 saves. Those are what they call elite ratios, folks. And he, ha- he got a handful of saves. He did miss some time on the IL, but you know, being on the Dodgers, maximized the rest of his time there. Pretty, pretty good, as they say. Yeah, I wanted so similar to the Rays discussion, looking up Dodgers closers from last year. It was Phillips with seven, and it was Gratterall with sorry, Phillips with 24. 24. Of course, it was Gratterall with seven, yep. and then Caleb Ferguson, three, Ryan Yarborough somehow at two. Dude, stages. he was awesome. Don't get me started on him. He was, he was, it was your boy down the stretch, wasn't he? Well, he was getting wins, saves, ratios were great. Like he was one of those, if you didn't want to stream crappy pitchers, Yarborough was your dude. That, Bob was hyped for, for some Ryan Yarborough. They haven't drafted him yet. <laughs> um, it's just interesting looking back, and I know there were injuries and that sort of thing. Uh, we really had no idea this time last year who the Dodgers closer was going to be. And, uh, I mean, Phillips, more than more – than, Filled the role there, and those those ratios, yeah, like a two hundred five ERA, point eight three whip, like that. You do that over sixty innings. I mean, that does actually have an impact on your staff. Um, that the ratios were that good that that there's there's some movement there in terms of value, which is probably why Phillips was fifteenth with only twenty four saves. It's interesting to see Rasball's rankings here, where like Phillips and Duran. We're 14 and 15 with less than 30 saves, but great ratios. Yep, they factored that in for sure. Alex Lang finished 16th in the position. Ratios sucked, 368 ERA, 133 whip, but the 26 saves, which left him in a good finishing spot. He was a guy that you drafted late. If you needed saves, you rostered him. Otherwise, you're just praying it didn't get bad. Oh, it's, and yeah, you hopefully never watched Alex Lang because it was infuriating. Like, there, there's the two sides of the coin. Alex Lang has... Or at least entering 2023, yeah. Um, some like crazy combination of strikeouts and ground balls that like no one else in baseball was able to do. But then he walks like one out of every six guys. So it doesn't help. Um, no idea what will happen with him next year. But you got your 26 saves out of a 280 ADP. Like you take that. You, you call that a win. Yep. All day long. I got nothing on Dylan Flora. What about you? Not a win. Gotcha. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, free agent again this season, 27th off the board, finished seventh at the position. Honestly, wouldn't be shocked if that happened again this year because he's going super late again because there's no home, but he's going to sign as a closer. He had a 326 ERA, a 104 whip, 23 saves, third straight season with at least 20 saves for Kimbrell. So where you're drafting him, you're getting your money's worth and the strikeouts bounced back this year. So 
Nice stuff for Mr. Kimbrell. What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, man. He had 94 strikeouts and eight wins, 23 saves. Like that's a, that's a season. That's an absolute season. And the skills, I mean, look pretty damn good. Some, some issues late walk rate wasn't that great, but like, I agree, man. I think Kimbrell closes somewhere. Um, ADP is 234 right now. It's one of those. just going to ask Jesus. Yep. That's worth That's it. definitely one to look at. He's going right ahead of the next guy we're going to talk about, actually. God, this guy. This guy's name is Carlos Estevez. For those that are watching at home, 28th, really around the board, finished 22nd, 390 ERA, 149 whip. Holy <laughs> crap. And that's over 62 innings. Not good, Bob. But he did get you 31 saves. So, like the dilemma, do you, would you rather have had Alex Lang or Carlos Estevez? Probably that looks lame, weirdly enough. Um, because Estevez, the, talk about not watching your pitcher pitch, never watch Carlos no. Estevez pitch. And I Those did the worst things. And I oh, did man. plenty. I mentioned earlier in the show that I had Estevez in class A in labor and was like sweating that out in the second half. And Carlos Estevez, the last month of the season, had a goal oh, 756 ERA, 192 whip. Dude was like a legend in the first half. He had 21 yep. saves with a 185 ERA. And then he morphed back into I got out of control. Yeah. Like I have zero faith that he can do this again. Like if imagine if the first half and second, it's all the relievers, it's all timing, luck, whatever. Imagine if his first half and second half were flipped. Um, he'd be nowhere anywhere on this sheet. So, like, yes, I'm happy I drafted Carlos Estevez at whatever I did in labor, but like, would I do that again? God, I hope not. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I might have actually taken him in a draft already. So we'll see how that goes. When you get desperate for saves late in draft and hold formats, this is what happens. <laughs> Estevez is there for you. Yep, he's your man looking you right in the face saying, draft me, draft me. And you're just like, I guess so. Um, the last two on this list at 29 and 30, Giovanni Gallegos, 442 ERA, 12 a whip, 10 saves. He had moments where he looked really good as the closer in St. Louis, and obviously based on the ratios, not great. Then you had Jason Adam. You mentioned the two the two closers basically in Tampa. He still finished 34th in the position because of the elite ratios and the 12 saves. He was very, very good. Like very, very good stuff with Jason Adam. So any thoughts on Gallegos and Adam? No, I mean Gallegos, I mean, this conversation could be had over years. Like he's just not not going to be the guy in St. Louis. Um, Ten saves is pretty good for him, but uh, but yeah, I just and then the skill started to falter a little bit. Jason Adam, you kind of nailed too, Bubba. Um, helpful, especially in spots if you could time those saves right. Yeah, if he's one of those when you're speculating on relievers in draft and holds, Adam would have been a, a clutch one, like a tremendously clutch one. Where there's other guys like, yeah, not bad. He would have been money to have on your roster, obviously. Uh, a couple players outside of the top 30 before we recap the whole cha-cha here. Tanner Scott finished sixth at the position with an ADP of 554. Rob McCabe and his um, his fab reports said on 12 team OCs, the one player that was added on most teams that finished, I think, in the top 20 or something at the position, Tanner Scott was that guy. He has basically had the most impact off the waiver wire because we discussed – most of these guys that got drafted were the closers. Well, Scott was not because he had A.J. Puck and Floro involved. So Scott was one of the guys you could add with his um, 12 saves on the season. So what's your thoughts on Tanner Scott, who had a sub-one whip as well? 
I'm not surprised to hear that um, factoid from from Rob because Tanner Scott, and this for me, this was the biggest takeaway of the reliever position in 2023. Tanner Scott was the only top 15 closer to be drafted or basically be undrafted. Everyone else was pretty much drafted as a closer in the top 30. Tanner Scott's like the only one who was basically available in fab who finished top 15 at the position. And so like, I don't know if every year that's going to hold or whatever, but if you went into 2023 waiting on closers thinking I'll get them in fab that like maybe you got maybe you got Tanner Scott maybe you picked up Kyle Finnegan at the right time like maybe maybe you got Andres Munoz in the second half but like it was really hard there was not much we talked about that fab like every week pretty much during the season it's just like the the story of fab in 2023 was all the starting pitcher call-ups and the rookies and that sort of thing there were very few weeks I can really can't think of any where there was like a closer to go get and to me, that was uh, that was the biggest thing with the position in last year. And if it's like that again in 2024, again, not saying it will be, but uh, if it is, you better draft your saves because they're not there. Yeah, makes it pretty difficult. Um, the next guy, Colin Pache, finished 18th of the position with an ADP of 725. He had one save, Ryan. Can you enlighten me on what happened with the rest of him? Uh, I know the answer. I'm just did asking. They all go to Mr. Fairbanks. No, Pache had 12 wins. That's how he finished 18th. This position. Uh, I see. Yeah, 12 wins and a 223 RA. Holy hell! Yeah, so that's that, just like luck. He shows good. up on our list, but that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pretty interesting there. So um, the other ones, Kevin Ginkle finished 19th. He, you know, he had his handful of saves there as well before Paul Seawald. So we'll kind of go with that one as well. Um, a couple honorable mentions I'll throw out there, just kind of looking at the Rasball player rate real quick, just because you mentioned Adbert Alzelay earlier. He is a guy that probably wasn't drafted. He was is him and Tanner Scott were like the two dudes that you could add um, off the deal. So Alzelay would be a guy I'd throw out there. He finished twenty sixth. I don't know which Rasball player rater you're looking at because there's a million of them to pick from. Um, so you got that. You know, there's the AJ Pucks of the world. There's a bunch of other ones, but. Yeah, those would be the main dudes for sure. Like the, I was like, I just want to give a shout out because since you made yeah. fun of me for having the men, I wanted to to give him a little run out there as you're, well. You're just trying to talk yourself into a good a good pick. Oh, he's a great pick. Don't you worry. So when I mean, you're looking, well, well, sorry, did you have anything to say on anybody uh, else? I mean, no, just finished whatever. What did you say on the play Raider twenty third? Twenty sixth on the one I was looking at is standard twelve teams. I don't know which one you use, so I. Probably use the same one. I just do Rasball Player Raider. I think it's twelve teams. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing with Alzale was it was those eighteen saves in the second half. Like that that helped. So I should I should have looped Alzale into my little speech earlier for yeah. sure. No, it's all good. It's all good. Because uh, like Puck was there, then Puck blew up at the end. Brash even made the list. There's a few other guys here, but aren't really worth discussing. That we we hit on the important ones. That's all I know. Um, because otherwise there's a lot of uh, guys that picked up wins, not saves per se, on this yep. scenario that kind of goes out the window there. So anything else on this uh, top 30 bloom boards you have here besides it was a pretty um, safe, not the right word, but um, steady save season, I guess. I don't know what the right word is. Yeah, it was like the most boring save fab season ever. I don't know if that's true or not, but it felt like it. Um. Like, I want to have two closers in my first 12 rounds. 
in 2024, especially in draft and holds. Maybe fab leagues, I loosen that a little bit, but like if if 2024 was anything like it was last year, like it's just going to be so hard to get saves late in DCs or on fab. So um, you better get them. That's, that's my big takeaway. Yep. I don't blame you one bit there. So let's do a couple of listener questions before we head on out and uh, have our fun here. But um, we got at futures underscore bet says, who gets the majority of the saves uh, for my Phillies this year? Please say it's Josh Hader. Hader could be a dude, but they have so many options back there already. Um, you know, they got Alvarado, Hoffman, Dominguez, Kirkling. I, yeah, I just don't I, see them paying for Hader. And probably not re-signing Kimbrel the way that no. ended. <laughs> like he was kind of the scapegoat yeah. uh, in the postseason. I have I, honestly, I don't know. Um, I'd say Alvarado. Pick my one. guess would be Alvarado, but like maybe Sir Anthony. But Sir Anthony was so he was so bad we glossed over him in yeah. our thing. It, like he was, be, he was awful. I think if we pick a righty, it's Kirkring for me. The way they used him in the postseason yeah. late in games. Alvarado was the guy before he got hurt. Until he got hurt, like he was yeah. the guy in Philly. So um, that's that's why I pick him. Through. Yeah. Wake up asks Bautista Doval Bednar. Looks like three reasons not to draft a closer earlier, but you got to draft him earlier this year. But he's draft right. Him. But they were no, they were. I mean, Bautista finished first, Bednar fifth. But I mean, you have to pay for him this year. He's using that argument for last year, uh, I so gotcha. yeah, I guess I you got to figure out who do I want to take later this year and see how it works. He's not wrong. I see what he's saying, a hundred percent. But it's the if you missed that and took the guy next to him theory, like we talk about sometimes. Yeah, then it backfires on you tremendously. Like I mean. Bednar, it is interesting. Holmes like, instead of Bednar, you're not happy. Yeah, or Helsley instead of <laughs> Bautista. Stop Barlow Jesus. instead of Alexis Diaz. Helsley went two picks before Bautista, but that's a little skewed because remember Bautista had the January like. Oh, I took advantage of it in the field. He was my thing. reliever too in some drafts because people people were letting him fall. It was glorious. Risky though. Good on you. It worked. Yep. As a reliever too, I'll take the risk. Let's put it that way. Reliever one, probably not. Reliever two, yes. Four of the top five relievers finished between eighth and sixteenth is when they were drafted. So, um, yeah. I don't know. And the last question we have here is from Jeff Biddle or Biddle. Sorry, I'm thinking Biddle. Uh, will Leclerc be the closer in 2024, or do the Rangers try to upgrade? I think they're kind of set where they are. Weirdly enough, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think. I don't know, both. Like, if the season started today, Leclerc, I think, is the guy. But I can definitely see Texas getting... They could go after Hater. They could go, yeah, exactly, Hater or Kimbrel. I could... I mean, they they have shown the... They will spend to win, and it worked for them, and that's good. Um, So I could totally see them doing that. They need a lefty back there. So Hater actually checks out for that one. That'd be something to monitor for sure. Yeah. They need a lefty back there. So uh, maybe it's Josh Hader, but uh, don't be surprised if it's Leclerc. And if it is, buckle up, because I'm like Ryan. It's like it, it was good, it was fun, but I just don't believe it's a full-time thing for Leclerc and the consistency factor, but I've been wrong before. It, it never has been throughout his career, but exactly. it's first time for everything. But all right, Ryan, there we go. I said we get these guys in and out. We're like a little earlier than usual. Not much. We still made it an hour, but a little earlier than usual. Wrapping up the positions, all of them reviewed and checked off. We got a gladiator live gladiator draft on Thursday night. Come join the YouTube chat up in there. Uh, then we got a couple HQ episodes next week. Then we got the holiday coming up. So, final thoughts, Mr. Bloomfield. 
this was really helpful for me um, and, and just hearing some of the feedback listeners as well uh, and the review concept. I think it's good to, it, it's so, you know, you want to jump into next year and we're, we're drafting for next year, but it, it's really good to take stock of not only what happened to your teams last year that I think that much is obvious, but to look back at some of the trends and try and decipher like, yes, what happened last year and then whether you think, that will continue or not for 2024. So, so good series, man. Um, Always. Stoke for gladiator. I think the next episode is going to be very electric. Yes. I think we're going to have some, some shit talking in the chat. I think yeah. we'll have the, but we'll probably have the board up and we'll just be, we'll be going at it. And then, uh, yeah, holiday coming up, but that's still a few weeks. I will probably start previews right when we get back from January, early January. We're here, yeah. man. We'll have some fun. It's go time. Have fun. Fun is almost over, kids. It's time to get back to work. So that's uh, right. Enjoy yourselves. Make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan BHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Intric. And until next time, this is Bubba and the Bloom, episode 88. Catch y'all later. Bye.